With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Monday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. Today we're going to try and prove that three into two will go. We originally had a three-man show planned, but we're down to two people. Um, fortunately, I'm joined by a man whose name will introduce some excitement to the, the proceedings. <laughs> we know that Watt is a unit of power, so I'm hoping for a forceful performance from Tom Alex Watt. Thank you very much. I've called, I've called that out. That's just your that's, Twitter name. You never right, actually call yourself. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Uh, yeah, so Tom, Tom's uh, back joining us on the Monday night. This is going to be one of the less high quality um, episodes, and that's not speaking for for my guests, but just I can tell already. Um, you will notice it's a, it's a case of more money, more problems, as Notorious Big would say. Because for the second of show in a row, despite all the, the nice contributions you make through Patreon, we've not been able to record using our nice shiny microphones, which which isn't broken, but it just wasn't showing up in my laptop. So we are testing out the built-in microphone on MacBook Pro. So hopefully, if it's good enough to record the albums on it, it should be good enough to record our wee podcast. All good to go, yeah. We're hanging on early doors yeah. after being a man down in the first minute. Uh, we'll see how that goes. So, um, what we're going to start off with, um, talking of shambolic performances, is uh, Scotland. <laughs> um not quite as bad for me anyway, at least um, as the Israel game, but Scotland still went down 3-1 to Portugal last night in an international friendly match. What was your take on it? Yeah, not, I mean, not as bad, but almost as depressing. I mean, the, for, for 60 minutes, there was there were some encouraging signs. Um, I thought Scott, I thought they, they moved the ball about a lot better. They looked they looked like the, the 11 there on the pitch to start with were a lot more confident and didn't look just like they... I'd never met each other like you know from from um, last week, which was just an embarrassment. But I, I know I know people are are trying to find some kind of comfort in it. But Portugal didn't get out of first gear at any point. We they didn't really have to work very hard for any of the goals. Um, there, you know, if we've, our our friend Joel loves his uh, five things and things we might learn. From, from these kind of games. Well, I don't know what we've learned from these. I don't know what we've learned from the last, I don't know how many friendlies we've had. Uh, it was like 60 minutes of, of decent play and uh, kind of looked like we might maybe do something and then our hopes disappeared like a Ewan Murray tweet. <laughs> and um, we kind of went back to, back to default and just didn't really know what we were doing for the last half hour. Got a consolation goal, which was nice and, uh, you know, a nice bit of build-up play. But there is there was nothing in that game that I think we can learn anything from to base 
for the you know the vital ones ahead. Yeah. So so we went back to four at the back, the the three five two experiment, if if you can call it an experiment. Uh, whether it's going to be ditched permanently or whether it was a kind of knees match, we literally had run out of centre halves at that point. Uh, Suter and Mulgrew both uh, pulled out. Mulgrew was injured; they went off injured half time in Israel. Suter, don't know, presumably injured or whatever. He wasn't there either, um, and so it was literally the two centre halves we had left. Plus, Michael Devlin got called in last minute, but I think it might have been a bit much to expect him to have been like sitting in his house on Saturday night and then all of a sudden running out for <laughs> Scotland on Sunday. So it felt like he was very much there as an emergency sub. Um, so yeah, they went with the back four again, but I certainly McKenna is someone. A rate as a defender, but I think just that that pairing um, of him and Hendry is hard to know. It was quite wide open. Obviously, it wasn't helped by not having someone screening in front, but it didn't really inspire too much confidence. Yeah, I I, I don't think they're necessarily going to complement each other, even even allowing the fact that it seems a bit unfair to throw Henry in games like games like this when it's like you know. Go out and run a marathon when you can barely run 100 meters at the moment. It just seems a little unfair. But you know, even if if both of them are at the very best of their game, they're not. They're quite similar, kind of, with quite quite similar sort of players. Uh, what I don't quite understand, uh, and I've been thinking about this quite a lot, if we'd started the way with the the lineup and the formation that we did last night last week, you could see some kind of method in it. You know, we're playing weaker opposition. We're not going to play a, a traditional holding player there. You know, our, our midfield's going to have to work an awful lot harder. We're going to try and stretch them. You could see what we might try and do, but it just seems like the, the lineups were the wrong way around. Were all the wrong way around. Well, the thing for me is that I didn't. You could understand why he went the way he did the initial because he, he just kept the same team from Albania. But the problem with uh, in the Albania game was even though they, they played well in the first half. The improvement in the performance came in the second half when he got rid of Kevin McDonald, the kind of midfield vacuum, and put on mm-hmm. Stuart Armstrong in his place. So I kind of expected the starting lineup to be the team that, well, not quite the team that finished the game, but the team that, that started the second half of that game. McDonald yet again proved his worth in the sense that he doesn't have any. Um, and what we saw in terms of the midfield last night was an improved performance. You could see from Armstrong, you could see from McGinn. Um, and, and to some extent McGregor coming in off the left, you can see that those three guys want to work well together. I would argue for a, for a game like Israel, that, worked, that would have worked really well. Obviously, when you're playing Portugal, you end up with big gaps in front of your defence without someone screening. I do wonder, we're, we're still kind of struggling to find that player. McDonald isn't it. Um, we've already seen that well, McTominay's still very, very raw and not sure about him in general. If Charlie Mulgrew is not the answer in the centre of defence, is Charlie Mulgrew still the answer in midfield? Because he's a player who has played that role to some extent in the past. He, he played, a, yeah. I think, the best performance I ever saw of Charlie Mulgrew given a Scotland shirt was um, against Ireland at Celtic Park. And he absolutely strode the midfield that day. And I wonder if that's something that we might explore again. I think, I mean, I think I, I, I'd even, even go further than that. I think the best football Charlie Mulgrew ever played was playing with Scott Brown and the, 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 you know in front of the in front of the defense I think he's got a range of passing he's pretty neat on the ball at center back sometimes and you know at, at left back as well sometimes he, he just overplays it a little bit but he's he he can play a neat pass he can keep things ticking over and we don't have a huge amount of great footballers and he is a good footballer like he, he's prone to a bit of madness uh he makes a lot of mistakes but you know he's a he's a decent neat footballer but I think that's that's you know we could go through the entire team and say there's a massive hole there there's a problem there there's an upgrade there needed desperately but when we're playing any kind of decent side uh, and you know let's not over egg it's like the, it was the Portugal reserves I think the 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 biggest problem we've got is there isn't someone that's just taking games by the scruff of the neck in the middle of the park. And maybe it's still Darren Fletcher. You know, maybe it's maybe it's Brian Jack. He's not really had a run like that for for uh, for Scotland, but he's you know he's been doing it well for Rangers. Um, Scotland still seem to call up Graham Shinney as a left back when I think he's played five games at left back for Aberdeen in the last however many years. It, it, not necessarily saying they're definitely definitely the way to go, but it, it seems like we're we're trying to get players to play roles that they haven't necessarily yeah. done 
for their clubs at any great amount of time when, and, and then putting McDonald in and he plays in a very dynamic Fulham team that seems to get back and forward at great pace and he put them in that Scotland team and he looks like you know he still looks like he's warming up I'm very confused I'm confused but he came on again like I'm confused by him as a player because as you say that Fulham team is really quick they move about a lot they really like McDonald down there, but every time I watch him, he's like the slowest player I've ever yeah. seen. Like it's 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 like the equivalent of like when Kevin Kelly used to play up front for Kelly, and he, he, he was brilliant, but he used to just occupy, literally stand in the centre, the penalty spot. That's fine for a striker, a target man striker. If you're a midfielder, you don't just stand in the centre circle and kind of watch the game flow past you. It just we do need to get that balance right because. At the moment, what what we lack, as you say, is an, an arsehole, essentially. Yeah. Now, Graham Shinney gets booked. Yeah, Graham gets booked every single week for Aberdeen because he he makes tackles all the time. He's a bad tackler. He's not really good at it, but at least he gets stuck <laughs> in. I I'm very much a believer in not necessarily picking the best players, but picking the team that comes together. And if that means like we've talked about dropping Kieran Tierney, if it means dropping a big name player so that the team gets better. I think you have to do it. We've, we've tried long enough to have all the best players in there. So it's very easy to say this kind of thing because we're not the ones who carry the can when you go to Israel and get beat. But yeah. it's it just feels like there's, there's just a, a lack of everything there. If we talk through through the game, um, I thought Scotland started quite well, mm-hmm. um, got on the ball really nice. I think Armstrong made some good runs. McGregor made some good runs early on. You can see... The con- there was still confidence, which which I thought surprised me because you could have expected after that kind of performance on Thursday for them just to have gone into their shell, and I don't think they did. Um, Henry showed for the ball; he, he was trying to make runs forward. Both fullbacks were getting forward again. O'Donnell didn't have the best game on Thursday; he didn't have the best game on Sunday either, but he didn't hide away. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're looking at everyone across that team. McBurney for the first fifteen minutes was dropping deep, was making really good touches, was trying to kind of play balls around the corner, link things off. Naismith was busy. You're looking at the whole team and thinking, these guys still really know what they're doing. I thought Forrest started quite brightly. Mm-hmm. Even right up to when they scored. Now, you could tell that Portugal weren't necessarily asked about the game. It wasn't. I was very surprised about that because I thought when they made all those changes that the guys who they brought in would be trying to kind of prove their point, trying to earn their place in the team. There wasn't a lot of that. Now I don't think I don't think Portugal are very good in the first place, but they're, they're better than us, obviously. Yeah. But um, it just yeah, it was just an odd game. And then obviously the goal comes as it did with the Belgium game, but it was quite similar. Played similarly okay, and then just before half time conceded the goal, and that kind of seemed to affect the rest of the performance. What I mean, where did you see the faults lying in the goal? I think there was multiple. Yeah, I and I. I mean, I think again, partly not having not having a a, a player in the midfield that would understand how to. I I, I think across I, I, it looked like player we looked like a back four that hadn't played together yeah. ever before. There, it looked like you could pinpoint any number of any number of individual errors. I, I don't think. I think the difference between the the, the Portugal game and the, the Israel game is that Israel you you could. Pick out a number of player, uh, players that were that just had an absolute shocker, yeah. and you know the the entire team were bad, but there were a number of players that just had absolute shockers, and and you know you that whole I can't remember which uh, German commentator said you put the yeah. entire team in a bag. Was it Beckenbauer? Put the entire team in a bag and hit it, and whoever got hit would deserved it. Would have deserved it. I don't think that was the case. It just looked like, like you say, the confidence went. There was lots of people looking. The defense were all looking at each other for who was meant to be picking up who, who was meant to be what, what their defined roles were. And I think almost if we could, it, it, it's a massive, um, it's a massive ask. But if we could distill the problem, Scotland's problems down into one sentence, and obviously this is something that takes years yeah. to fix. It's People don't seem to know what their role is. Yeah. They like regardless of what your position is, regardless of if you played that position five times, a hundred times, a thousand times, they just don't seem to know when things happen, where they should be. Uh, yeah, you're right. Because it's the one thing that people always say, "Oh, we don't have the players," and we don't have the players to win the World Cup, but we have the players to beat Israel. Yeah. You don't need you don't need brilliant class. What you need is a manager sending a team out to say. 
this is your job, this is what you do. You, you see what the, the effects that like Steve Clark's had at Kelly, Neil Lennon's had at Hibs. It's just about getting good players and just making them, getting them to go out and play and they, they all know what they're doing. I think for for the goal, one of the issues is you have O'Donnell there playing right back. So O'Donnell, I'm obviously hugely biased in favour of him. I, I think he's fantastic. For Kelly, he's been probably our best player for the last year. He's obviously not up to the standard to play for Scotland of someone like Alan Hutton who went before him. Or he's not he's not that same level of player. But he's not kind of playing because some other amazing right back is being ignored. He's the best right back yeah, there is. Yeah, and I think we're, if we're gonna now that he has, I, I think there's more to come from him though. I, I think that um, he will learn an awful lot from these games. And I think now that we've got, you know, now he's got what four or five, six, six caps. Yeah, I he's think the third, so the third or fourth most cap Kelly player ever now right. in the space of like. Well, you know, months, when you've yeah. got an honour like that, yeah. you've got to. And I think he's not. It's not like he's he's looked so far out of his depth that it's a failed experiment. There, I think there are a number of players beforehand who are, you know, before him who have failed the experiment. I think if he had, a, a, again, if he had the support and if he knew, like yeah. Kelly, when he knows what his job well, is, they, they, and get back and get forward and energy along the right hand side, then if that was just, if that was it, I think if you've got massive gaps in front of you and, you know, you're, you're, the, the, McGregor was playing slightly more inside, so he did have he, he did have room to get forward, but there were just great big gaps when yeah, it was, he was isolated. It was so that's it for me. And when he plays for Kelly, he's an he's an attacking fullback. That's what he's good at. But he has midfielders who are covering. So he's got he's often had both Dicker and Power this season. He's he's had Power mainly because Dicker's been out of the team since that awful red card, there, that shocking challenge he put in against Hearts, <laughs> and. Uh, He's got someone covering for him. So when he makes that run, he knows Alan Power will drop into the right-back position. What you saw yesterday is Gordon had uh, the goal kick. McDonald, eh, sorry, O'Donnell stepped up the park to kind of try and challenge for the ball. He got caught out, lost the ball. They, they kind of picked it out on, on Sky that he was too high up the park, which he was. And then the, the play breaks down the park. Hendry, I think, did a fantastic job um, in terms of keeping the full-back. And O'Donnell had kind of gone behind him to play centre-half but wasn't doing a very good job of it. Again, it's not something he's asked to do very often at club level. And then you saw what, what was really poor from him is the lack of reaction when Hendry tells him to go and track the run of the fullback and he doesn't do it. But what, what was missed out on that was, was James Forrest's part in that. The boys on Thursday night talked about Forrest as being a good defensive option, you know, in terms of when he plays in the right wing, he usually will um, double up quite well defensively. And I agree that normally he does. But there you could see that when that ball broke, and when um, Portugal won it back, Forrest was still in goal side of the fullback and was the kind of both of were on the halfway line. About five seconds later, Forrest standing essentially hands in his pockets, forty yards from goal, and the fullback's bombing into that space. And that's a case of the team not working together as a unit um, in a way that a better organised, better managed team would. And that's the kind of thing that costs you goals at this level. Is shape it's positioning it's not it's, I mean it can be individual errors but it's about not being organised and there's a million excuses if Scotland aren't good enough and they play Portugal and they aren't good enough that's fine we don't expect to be yeah. Portugal yeah. losing to teams losing to Portugal losing to anyone because of your shape is not acceptable and that's where I I'm strongly concerned about McLeish that mm. great guy that he seems to be He's not, and, and it's strange because the first time he was Scotland manager, the one thing they were brilliant at was their shape. But this time around, it's been a mess, more or less every. Yeah, game. I mean, it's for all the for all the sort of trumpeting of the, the three at the back. It's not really been easy to pick it out. I mean, you you touched on James Forrest. I think he's one of the examples of a player who, talent wise, form wise by almost any metric you want to put in for him, is one of the best Scottish footballers yeah. there is. I don't think I've seen him have even a good game for Scotland, let alone like a one that, that says that this, guy, this guy's got to play a pivotal role. You know, I, I, I totally agree with the guys from last week. I think he does cover his def- defenders well. I think he does have a lot of energy. Um, he does get back and forward. But it, for Scotland, he just seems listless and careless and 
doesn't have the directness that he has at Celtic and doesn't seem to have just all the things that that like the 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 forest that kind of broke into the team uh, you know however long ago it was 10 years ago and then he he dropped off in form quite a, that's the that's yeah. what we get for Scotland yeah the forest of four years ago yeah the the one that who looked like he was done you know the, we got Ronnie Dyler's James Forrest um so i, I think He's one of the ones that I would have far more question marks than than someone um, O'Donnell. I think that um, I mean we we could go through the entire midfield. I think when we're obviously it was just a friendly and it doesn't matter that much. And we did start well and we did do we did move the ball about a lot. But if Scotland were facing anyone, I mean let's take out the fact that it's Scotland versus Portugal. If England were facing Lithuania. And they went with like a pretty much an out and out winger, a guy who's like spent most of his career as a number ten, at like a number eight, and a guy like Cal McGregor is not exactly known as a, a defensive, as like player. defensive player. You, it's suicide. Yeah. <laughs> like against any kind of decent side, you can hold the ball as as well you want, but that just that is hugely problematic. Even if you've got Naismith. Um, and even if you've got McBurney as an outball, there was just this great big disconnect between what we were trying to do apparently in defence. And yes, he had personnel issues, but that gap in, with the midfield was a, was a real problem. And I think Forrest, one of the players that I don't quite understand where he fits, I'd love Armstrong to be part of everything that we're doing, but it's not going to be at the no. uh, sitting in front of the defence no matter how hard we try. Um, Obviously, you know, Megan's been great and McGregor's had a great couple of seasons, but I think those are, uh, if we had to pick on one place, pick on the midfield to start. Yeah. But I think you could pick on pretty much any position and yeah. that's the problem. Yeah. I don't, uh, yeah, as we said, we said earlier, don't subscribe to the theory of, of not having the players. It is just not having the, the system at all, which has been an ongoing problem. If, if you look at O'Donnell, I don't think O'Donnell through his career has ever been a good defender. But in the Kelly system, he doesn't need to be a good defender because we were organised in that, that shape. That's that's what needs to be. I'm repeating myself there, but that's what we need to do. Before we finish off, a couple a couple more things to talk about, which is the result last night in the um, Israel-Albania game. Israel beat Albania 2-0. And what that essentially means is you've got this weird situation. No matter what happens to Scotland in Albania, we will go into that Israel game knowing exactly what result we need to qualify and we'll have to beat Israel. If we draw um, draw win against Albania, it would just be any win against Israel. If we lose to Albania, then it'll come down to goal difference and we'll have to beat them by X number of goals and potentially all sorts of weird combinations. That sounds Con- like a Scottish way yeah, of doing things. But so. considering all that was so negative about the Israel game the other night, do you genuinely believe we won't do that? Because I still think we could be an absolute mess and go and lose 2-0 in Albania. And if you tell us we need to beat Israel by two at home, I think we'll do it. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't. Th- I think both Albania and Israel look terrible sides. Yeah. Um, and I think as bad as... I mean, as bad as Scotland were last week, we were ahead yeah. and didn't really deserve it. But but for like some absolute stupidity, we'd have at least I, got a draw. I think for, but for the red card, even though McGregor was making a lot of saves, I think we would have done enough to get the, the yeah. point. And the point would have basically <laughs> you know, set us up at this point. But yeah, it's... So I still think we're in a, a, a bizarrely in a very good position. I would like... I, I would say... Um, I'm not usually one to kind of jump and immediately change their manager. I don't think McLeish should be there for the next games. I think they have to, they have to bite the bullet now and not let it carry on too much longer. It's tr- it's tricky. I mean, there there does seem to be the, the school of thought either that we should never have got rid of Strachan or which is wrong. Like you know, both of these things are allowed to be. Like yeah. he he ran his course. There was a time and a place to to move on and have a new new manager. Though obviously the the process that went on trying to get a new manager in place was a, a million miles away from ideal. But you you don't sack. You, no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't get rid of a manager. After you've had bad results, you should get rid of the manager when you've lost faith that they will improve you in six months, a year, yeah. whatever it is. And that's where I've got the concern with my yeah. I think there is every possibility that given 18 months, he will take us to the European Championships by virtue of having a fucking honking group. Yeah, that, like, that's what we're hoping like for. An absolute 
you know, shambles of of um, of a group and a couple of good performances that you know we we, we pull out of the bag. But is it going to develop beyond that? It's very hard to see. It's very hard to see where we've yeah. where the where the long term plan is there. So, so the last thing we wanted to talk about um, has obviously been in terms of this squad and people who haven't been picked. It's whether there is actually anyone out there who who we think would improve this squad greatly, and that's where that's where it comes from. Because I, I don't think there's, I don't think I've seen a few comments of people saying, oh, you know, some of these players aren't good enough for international level, whatever that means, because mm-hmm. international level varies from Brazil to San Marino. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I mean, what 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 is international level at that point? But I don't. I mean, I mean, who are these? Amazing talents that have been overlooked. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's not. I think it's more. Uh, for the frustration for me is more that we have wasted eighteen months, and part of that was the, the previous manager's problem that we wasted eighteen months in not trying things that are now, you know, we're now at another stage of, of qualification, and we're still trying out, seeing who's there. And there's guys who are twenty three, twenty four who only have a handful of caps and could have done a wee bit more. Uh, I think. There is a glaring hole in the middle of the park. I think that might be, like Ryan Jack's had his fitness problems, but I think that might be his to take if he wants it. I think um, I think Graham Shinney didn't do himself. I'm a, I'm a massive fan of Graham Shinney. He's not, like you say, he's not great at winning the ball, but he is combative. He does get back, he does get forward, and he does drive at people. And for all, Gary McKay Stephen got the plaudits for his, his assist. Which was lovely. Which was lovely. Um, I think, you know, I, I think by all means, he, 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 like he's been good so far this season. He's been Aberdeen's, easily Aberdeen's uh, most effective uh, attacking outlet. And it's right that he's in and around Scotland squads. But there are a number of players that rightly should be uh, uh, further ahead of him in the pecking order, especially when we're talking at the moment about players that are not doing their defensive duties. Yeah. Um, but I think... Mackay Stevens, someone I think who should be doing exactly what he did there, which is coming on as a sub for a wee cameo, and sometimes you need a player like that just to lift a game. Yep, yeah, yeah, and and he did, you know, he he did, and and when he does that, he causes all sorts of problems, and he he commits players, and you know, he took three men out with, I think we're overstating this like piece of Brazilian magnificence. Mm-hmm. Because it was just a great bit of vision and yeah. a bit of improvisation. I, I thought that um, what I was going to say is I, I thought that Graham Shinney picking the ball up and running. Obviously, he, he was a little bit further forward than, uh, than we might want him. But I, I think he, we should be looking at him in the middle of the park and Ryan Jack. I think they're two that. To, to go back to your point about um, what's international class, we've seen over like the, the best Scotland players of the last twenty years weren't necessarily the most talented players we had. Like the team that, yeah. the, the, this fabled team from 98 that everyone was like, oh, it was made up of these guys mm. playing their trade in the English Premier League. You know, Colin Calderwood either got relegated or was about to get relegated. Um, uh, you know, Christian Daly about to get relegated, like Colin yeah. Hendry about to get relegated. There was, obviously, there were stars yeah. and great players in there as well. But at a time when the English Premier League was a lot worse than it is now, they were guys that just raised well, you, the game. And you look at the, the 2008 team and the previous McLeish mm. team that nearly qualified, and you had you know, there were people talking about, oh, should you have Hearts players, should you have Kelly players, and so on. You had Paul Hartley in that midfield yeah. who played for Hearts. You had Presley who was playing for Hearts. Gordon played for Hearts. The whole spine of that team was playing for Hearts or, or was moving about at that, that point. Yeah, someone like Lee McCulloch, who is not a talented footballer, he was a hard worker and, and was very effective in that team. Looking at that team, there wasn't... Some brilliant talent. What they what they were were re- was really organised, and that that's the difference. If you look even, at players, even the talented ones, like even like James McFadden, yeah. who's like the talent nah, man yeah, for yeah. a decade, was so much better for Scotland yeah, in Anfield games than he ever was for any of his clubs. So, so for me, that's that's the kind of thing there. So you're looking at players who aren't involved. I've seen a lot of mentions of uh, Liam Cooper, mm. is it Leeds? But my understanding is that that he maybe doesn't fancy it, that um, he's been called up a couple of times, he's not been picked. I, I don't know what's going on there, but there's something <laughs> I've, I've never been convinced by him as a player anyway, to be honest. But. Yeah, I mean, if I mean if he's been called up, I, I have no information on that at all, but I mean, the level that he theoretically is playing at and the gaping hole yeah. that we've got at the back, you would have thought that um, 
if he's willing and able, then he'd be given a, a shot at it. If it's a if it's about I'm playing at this level, I deserve to be in the team. Well, no. yeah, yeah, you're not. But um, you're not playing at any higher level than Charlie will grow. It's like no, yeah, like and, quite. Um, then, then there's Liam Lindsay for centre half, another one. But again, he's playing in League One in England, yeah. and yeah. I, I really liked him when he played up here, and I think he, he does have a future. But mm-hmm. if you're looking at where he is, if he, he needs he needs to not be playing at that level, or at least he needs to be standing out and and basically making himself impossible not to pick. Yeah, uh, I mean he was he was good last season, um, but Barnsley went down, yeah. and he, he played. He's played most of their games this season, nine or ten games this so far this season, and looks you know much better than your average league. But Barnsley are much won. better yeah. than, <laughs> so it's very difficult to tell. But I think that goes kind of goes back to my point um, previously when we're still asking the questions of these guys when we have had friendlies, when it's like you know we're we're playing a friendly against a I, I can't think of a particular example off the top of my head but we're playing friendlies and our centre-backs you know have 50 caps between yeah them. that's say what's what's, what's the, the point, point? Um, other ones outside of that I mean um, Callum Patterson wasn't in this squad which is very odd but he's not any we've seen him play right back he's not yeah. any better an option at right back than, than O'Donnell was he, he, he's definitely less mobile but he has He's a chaos factor player. Mm-hmm. That you would, that I would, I would like to see more of Patterson, but I don't really know where. I think they talked about that. They, I, they talked about that. Just, just put him in a team. Sometimes like he could he just be a big unit in the midfield. It wouldn't be any worse than McDonald. Well, I was going to say it wouldn't be any worse than McBurney. Yeah, <laughs> almost almost a, yeah. You know, the, like you say, he's a chaos factor and a bit like the at, at the very worst. If you needed to just like light a match and stand back in the last ten minutes, yeah. then. He's he's very good at that, and he's been very effective so, whenever he's played, and he's now playing at a much higher level. You know, he, plays, he started at centre forward for Cardiff at Wembley, yeah, you know, against Spurs. Oh. Um, okay, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you're looking kind of yeah, then you've got your kind of wild card options like um, like David Bates has started well yeah. in Germany, but yeah. you're still talking about a guy who was very shaky. It was it was worse. It was a worse centre back than McKenna McKen or Henry last season yeah. in the Premiership. Yeah. You've got um, Jack Harper, I guess, out in out in Spain again. He's he's only starting to find his feet and finally actually play some senior football. We will be one to keep an eye on if, if Malaga keep doing well. We've got Henderson out in in Italy again, but he's not. It's kind of like all those midfield options that people are talking about: Henderson, Fleck, Bannon are all the same as the other midfielders. Yeah, None of them yeah. are the one that. We, what we need is a a, a Kante, not a yeah. like. <laughs> You know, we we yeah, both sort of yeah. some sort of small destroyer, like yeah, yeah. some sort of old, yeah. old fashioned bald guy yeah. that yeah. can run around. But we need, yeah, a young Willow Flood. Yeah, that's <laughs> what we need. Well, Willow Flood for Scotland. Um, that that seems like a perfect note to leave that conversation <laughs> on. Right, is to, to think of that image of Willow Flood in a Scotland strip. Um, it may even have been capped by Ireland. That would be a, a damning, a damning indictment on them. So. We move on to a feature that I we, we obviously as a um, we kind of had to cut out a couple of features that were planned due to our, our guests who had some expert information on the topics that we were going to talk about, which we don't have. Um, so, given that there's been a bit of talk this week about the Scotland um, or the Scottish Football Museum Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. um, we won't get into the kind of furore again. Paul Gascoigne, because no, I'm not listening, but it's probably I've spent about three weeks in sports oh, on that already. Um, I thought we could come up with our own impromptu, and, and this has really been sprung. It's been sprung on you, Tom, but it's also been sprung on me because <laughs> I, I came up with it about three minutes before we started recording. We're each going to give five entries to our own personal Hall of Fame for Scottish football. And to make things a bit easier or maybe harder, I don't know, I've come up with categories. So the first category is someone who's a Scotland legend. So someone from your own time or, or before or... Um, I was going to cheat slightly and just put the put forward the entire Kieran Cup score. Oh, yeah, the, the, the lads. I mean, they've already put in, um, I think, the first ever Queen's Park squad. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much on a par, I would say. I, I mean... So I the the, the ninety eight was the year before I left school. Yeah. So we were there was me and a couple of friends. Thoroughly enjoyed being at the World Cup, but you know, growing up at that point, Scotland always qualified for yeah. things. It was on. It, it was like, all oh, right, okay, see you again in a couple of years, and we'll do it all again. And I can't remember 
another time when a meaningless trophy halfway around the world meant so much and it felt like actually so for national pride sakes the entire current cup yeah, squad because um, there's always players and the you know the, i can't remember the entire squad i can remember most of them but i'm sure like well, weird, uh, weird 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 chris, chris burkin and, and chris, chris Boyd both scored that so so this shows the, the perhaps a slight age disparity with us <laughs> not that, that much but um, the Kirin Cup game, the first game against Bulgaria, was in the morning before I did my standard grade English exam um, right. at school. And I remember sitting up watching it when I should have been learning about Romeo and Juliet or reading my notes <laughs> on that. And yet, Chris Burke scored a double, Chris Boyd scored a double. Um, all sorts of players involved there. There was, uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of interesting. So Boyd had just left Kelly at that point. So it was, um, yeah, it was very much, I think it was his debut actually. And he scored twice, or it was yeah, one of his yeah. first appearances. So, so that's a, I mean that's a bold just, selection. Yeah, how how do you how do you kind of decide between those? I would go um, for a guy who's given me probably still my favourite. I'm, I'm, I'm split between two, two people who have given me my favourite moments as a as a Scotland supporter, um, which is um, I, I actually never I wasn't at the Lee Griffiths game, so I can't go for him. Scotland v Georgia 2008 qualifying campaign, Hampden Park gone ahead, got pulled back um, and going in towards the end of the game we're thinking our, our qualification dreams are dead <laughs> and up steps now of Elgin City, now centre back of Elgin City, Craig Beatty to shin one, into the, uh, shin one into the net so I'm going to jointly put Craig Beatty and also the man who only didn't actually score, he got the credit at the time for the, the winning goal against Slovakia recently which is Chris Martin um, I'd like to put a Craig Beatty, Chris Martin combined pair <laughs> into the, the Hall of Fame. Thoroughly deserve for both what a contribution they've made to our nation. Now we've got the kind of um, consistent performer. Someone says you usually get someone in here who's oh, well done, he's made 500 appearances for Motherwell or whatever. Someone who has always been about, mm-hmm. and that's essentially their criteria for qualifying. Uh, Scott Gemmell, I yeah. think. Scott Gemmell was like a sort of. For a wee while, was that a Scottish hereditary peer who's yeah. in squads because he's, yeah. he's a gamble, yeah. but you know, still still kicking around. Was one I've, of those. I've never seen it confirmed. There, there is a story that his uh, first name is actually Scotland. I, I can't believe it. <laughs> I can well imagine. Um, but I mean, you can imagine his dad giving him that name, yeah. but um, I, I, I can't see that it's true. I, if it's it's better than the real thing, so let's go with it. It sounds good to me. Um, yeah, Scott, Scott Gamble. The other one um, who is in the Hall of Fame, but just given we were talking earlier on about how there are so many holes in the Scotland team and if only there was one person that could fill a, monk, a, a whole bunch of them, just what would you give for Christian Daly? Like a, a Christian Daly back, you know, just a good goal scoring record, could play in the hole, could, uh, could play in front of the defence, could hold the defence together. Like, as, you know, if no, he would feature in no one's greatest ever Scotland eleven. Yeah, but I, would. Uh, I was going for, for something on a similar note, which is a guy that he, keep, he seemed to keep going until he was about a million years old um, and kind of ended up with about 50 caps for Scotland, I think, uh, Graham Alexander. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he, he kind of came out of nowhere and was, I think, again, Graham Alexander holding the midfield at the moment and you wouldn't have any of this nonsense. Yeah, he, yeah. Um, he was also the, he managing now? He, he was managing uh, Fleetwood or something. I don't know if he's still Salford, there. No. Or Salford, maybe. Yeah, uh, maybe I think Salford he might be... He was one who came, he just always played well, or he probably was always 7 out of 10. And funnily enough, like for a guy who had an, an incredible um, penalty scoring record, yeah, like he scored yeah. like 50 plus penalties in his club career. He never scored for Scotland because I literally don't think we ever got a penalty when he was playing. We we very rarely get penalties. Just <laughs> why it was strange to see big Charlie Mulgrew like scalping one in against Israel um, for all that he counted for. Now... Another slightly hard one. We've got a non-player, so that you always kind of get someone inducted who's made a big contribution to the game without actually playing much football. Uh, this is a hard one, I think. This is a tricky one. Uh, hmm, I don't know. I mean, there, there has been a bunch of call-offs recently, so I mean, is there like Pip Yates, maybe in, in honour of long-term service to to the Scotland cause and keeping people together. And on the pitch, uh, that one's that's a tough one though. The, the non-player, uh, you had a better one. No, no, no. I was I was suggesting that because I thought someone might say it, which was with Sammy the Tammy. Sammy the Tammy. The, the one, the one I wanted to, I wanted to give this to uh, Caledon 
Oh, um, yeah. the, the opera singing boys who um, used to belt out Flower of Scotland before oh, the games. Uh, yeah. Fine for during again during a good era for Scotland, you had mm-hmm. you had either Caledon doing it or you had um, occasionally you get Amy McDonald singing. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Do you know what really boring music fact? Well, that, that that's my, what this podcast my, is all about. My, my theory: people that don't like Scot- uh, Flower of Scotland is because it's a waltz and everyone sings it. And waltzes go in threes, mm. and all football songs everywhere else in the world go in fours. So, so people try and sing. A song that's meant in threes and fours, so it sounds like a dirge. Today's educational pod, well, I mean, if, music theory. If, if nothing else, if you take nothing else away from that, you can think about that. And so, if you can give us um, your your best songs that, that do come in fours, um, we can we can think about replacing that. Have you got a um, most got, most songs? So, I mean, if you go for a popular song, it could be um, the the national like, anthem. So, what would be the national anthem? It doesn't have to be a Scotland related if it's like uh, Shake It Off by Taylor Swift or something. If it's in fours. That is in fours. Yeah, well, well, Seven could, Nation Army. Yeah, I mean, Seven Nation Army, Army would, be, would be a fantastic national be, anthem. Let's, let's if you could prevent it. the Hearts fans from singing their extras at, um, during it, which might, might be a challenge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, we've got another one. So um, Paul Gascoigne did obviously fill this fill this role this particular time, but is obviously no longer going to do so. Um, again, we're not going to touch on that. The kind of foreign superstar, someone who came from came from overseas and injected a bit of magic into our game. Well, the one that the one that when I was young just like changed everything was Hans Hillhouse. Um, uh, and looking back on it, it it's mad that that deal happened because he scored a penalty that won the European Cup for PSV. He was an internationalist for the reigning European champions. Uh, he made the 1990 World Cup squad. Well, I remember watching, um, I watched back the 1990 Scottish Cup final. And yeah. talking in the commentary about Aberdeen having two players who were in the provisional Dutch yeah. squad. And you think about that now. I mean, you, tr- you try and read it. I mean, it's like... I, I don't know. I mean, it, it would be like Aberdeen signing, you know, two Portuguese internationals right now. The, the two of the reigning European champions going into a World Cup, and they were really, really fancied. And when, and the only reason Hans Hilhus was allowed to leave PSV was because they just signed Romario. Mm. And there was, yeah, I mean, I was eight or so, and it just seemed like the most exotic. It, it was and and he scored an overhead kick on his debut, and you'd heard like legend of this guy he'd come and he'd, it, even though um, at the time Aberdeen were obviously not had not followed quite as far as they had have now. Scottish football in general hadn't fallen quite as far. These were like genuinely like world beating talents, and he turned up and he scored an overhead kick against the Fermanagh on his debut. Um, speaking of which, the other one that I remember around about the same time, this was a time when when. Um, you know, there wasn't a huge amount of foreign players that had come to Scotland, but the point on Fernland's side is Van Cosmo. Oh, yeah. And he was just, like, I mean, he, he was there for a year. They paid 800 grand or something like that to, to bring him over, and he, he was there for a year and signed for Liverpool. But he was just, yeah. like, so far ahead as a technical footballer. That, that was, everything else around about it's, it's such a weird year. So jealous of them. Sure, I remember they forget the guy's name, which is going to make this a dreadful anecdote. But there's um, <laughs> a Danish guy who won World Player of the Year, and then within a year, he signed for Charlton in the English second tier. Um, he was playing in Spain, and I can't remember his name now, so this is yeah, it's a pointless anecdote. But you can, <laughs> you can look up who that is. Um, my foreign one, I'm going to go for uh, Mixu Patalainen. Um, Brought me apart from up until up until the kind of um, current Kelly team. My favourite Kelly team to watch was was Mixer's team. He's obviously, I mean, he played for Aberdeen. He played for Dundee United. I think he, mm-hmm. yeah, he played for yeah. Hibs. He played for a variety of teams. Was was very popular. All of them. Popular manager at Cowden Beef. Not such a popular manager at Hibs and Dundee United. Um, not such a popular manager in Latvia now. I think, no. but. Um, very much, um, very much a big con- contribution that a guy's made to the Scottish game. And I think we we sometimes forget, and it's something we've talked about doing before on this show. Maybe we will at some point of having you know our kind of fam- favourite foreigners that have come and played in Scotland. And Mixu definitely fits that bill. A guy who came over here really adapted to Scottish football and, and was in, in many ways a kind of ideal Scottish centre forward, even though he wasn't Scottish. Yeah, I mean, really, just always as a player, always seemed like a really likable guy, but also like. All the things that stereotypically that Scottish fans like, competitive, scored a lot of goals, was niggly, physical, got got stuck in, and other cliches. 
but yeah, everyone loves Mexico. Yeah, and and the last one which I've left, which is absolute hardest, is is just a wild card. So it's just literally anyone else that just jumps out at you into your head that you think this guy should be in the Hall of Fame. Well, like I was thinking about this, the the about the best, the best Scottish players. I mean, considering how we've not been good in twenty years. The best players never to get capped. Oh yeah. So I was going to go for Craig Brewster because, yeah. I mean, at 34, 35, 36, everyone thought, "Why are we still doing a job? That's great." Had he been capped at 34, 35, 36, he would have done like a, a very, very good job. He was still a very, very good striker and still scoring in the top flight until he was forty. Yeah. And I think there's something. Um, uh, the, the Italians do very well where it's you build your defence and your goalkeeper and your the, the, the spine of your team around guys that play together and your, your most talented players and you put your, your forwards are just the guys that are in form yeah. so you have a bunch of players that have played for Italy they've got like 13 caps and 7 goals and then never played again, ever again and uh, so my wild card would be uh, a 34 year old Craig Brewster um, so I would like to um, give my wild card that I had it in my head for a second there and now it's gone out. So this is some brilliant uh, airplay that you have here. Who, who was this going to be? It was, uh, um, it, was, it was along similar lines. It was someone who'd been about Scottish football. It was, I remember now, a Lifetime Achievement Award for uh, Dick Campbell. Oh, Dick yeah. Campbell, so he'd be, I mean, he started playing and I think someone actually, the last time we mentioned this, tweeted it in like the... Um, when we mentioned him, tweeted a picture of him as a player with him and his brother when he was like a youngster, and and he looks exactly the same. Um, <laughs> but I mean, he's I mean, you look at the career, all that playing career, he was a defending manager for a while. He's been about Angus, he's been everywhere, uh, Ross County, a variety of places. And for a guy who, um, okay, he's he's, um, he's never really been at the top level very much, but he's just been long serving to Scottish football. And again, these are the kind of guys that you think, okay. Um, he might have similar issues to Gascoigne in terms of um, some of the things I think he's after dinner performances, but um, or so I've heard. But he's uh, ultimately a, um, a character who's been about the game for so long. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine many people. Or, you know, can you imagine doing your job for forty plus years and doing the same and still having the same love for it and the same passion for it to get as angry as Dick yeah, Campbell does? To be on the path, so, yeah, you know. To have that fire in my belly is that far on, yes, definitely. Um, I think we'll just finish off by um, mentioning um, some news from Patrick Thistle today. Um, Gary Caldwell, another guy who could have been... He's, in fact, he joined the Hall of Fame as part of your Ken and Cup winning squad, I'd yeah, imagine. Yeah. So, uh, Hall, of Famer, Hall of Famer, Gary Caldwell. Um, could have been in the Hall of Fame for the goal against France <laughs> alone or, or that performance with his brother in Norway. Um, Gary Caldwell has been appointed manager of Patrick Thistle. A bit, a bit left field in the sense that he's kind of not got a connection to the club in any way, um, but does have experience in management. Did well initially, I think, with Wigan before the kind of all the wheels came off there. So, what what do we think? I mean, I mean, they obviously had to make had to cut the reins with um, yeah. Archibald the way it was going, and and didn't improve things on Saturday. Despite that, went down to to Robbie Nielsen's Dundee United. Mm-hmm. They're sitting with nine points from nine games. The last time, if I remember correctly, that Patrick Thistle got relegated from the top flight, they immediately followed up with a second consecutive relegation. Could you see it happening again? I think there are worse teams than them, and there are definitely worse squads. Um, I, I think the the Archibald one was a strange situation because everyone everyone liked him, you know, no, and everyone kind of felt sorry for him. But had they fired him, you know. 10 matches for the end of last season when, when things were looking bad they wouldn't have gone down yeah and no one likes you know other such cliches no one likes seeing managers getting fired no one, but the the reason they do it is you've lost faith in the way that they're yeah. going and you could see that things had turned you know the the, the way that they went down in the playoffs um the 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 run-in and the relegation uh, fight was just so limp and it hasn't. It has Things haven't improved. He's been. He was given a good a good run to get things right, and it hasn't. They obviously tried to get Robbie Nielsen, who decided to uh, go to Dundee United instead. And as far as a high profile um, fit goes, I think they've got someone who has something to prove. I think, like you said, he, he did initially did well at Wigan. Um, he has a decent squad. Uh, he's it's a an absolute killer of a, of a league. Yeah. Um, I think they'll struggle to get 
in the back in the playoffs because I think the the, 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 the squad the squad I mean there are there are definitely better squads, um, but and that squad does need a bit of rebalancing. You know they they did some decent business. Um, I think they're they're pretty good going forward, even though they've not really shown it recently. But I think I think it's a, a pretty solid appointment. I don't think there'll be too much fallout from the fact that he wasn't their first choice. Um, he needs. It's not like he he come will come in with a massive ego and and be like you know and try and pull up trees. I think he needs to. Uh, if he wants to have a managing managerial career, then it's a good place for him to be. There's a good profile to the to the job, um, and he'll be given time. He'll be given time to get it right. There's decent young players there, and and it's a really nice job for him. I can totally understand why Robbie Nielsen would take the Dundee United job when there's a bit more urgency and a bit more infrastructure to the club. But in terms of a one to develop your career and pressure, then I think Park Thistle wants a. A safer bet. Well, well, not they've shown kind of a lot of patience in managers. So yeah. You're not expecting even. I mean, maybe if you got them relegated to League One, he would lose yeah. the job. But you're expecting them to probably get this season and, and probably even if even if, it, even if they finish eighth, they'll probably keep them on. And yeah. so it's kind of unless it's a, a mess, you'll get a lot of time. So I, I agree, and it's um. So obviously we're we're both uh, recording this in the the lovely leafy west end of Glasgow. It's not <laughs> the worst place to live either. So. All kind of coming up Millhouse for uh, Gary Caldwell and yeah. hopefully for Thistle as well. I say hopefully, I, I literally would not care if they went into League One, but there we go. <laughs> Sorry, Thistle fans. So we'll um, wrap things up with that. Um, again, apologies for the audio quality. We're now going to kind of cross our fingers and hope that it's actually at least good enough to release. Um, <laughs> you know, find a way to contact us uh, terracepodcast at gmail.com. Um, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we are on Instagram, that's as much as we're on at the moment. Um, contact us, patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast if you want to give us some money for some additional content. We're about to record that right now. So just all that's left for us to say is goodbye, Tom. Goodbye. And goodbye, Craig. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.